folks, welcome to the Tim <laughs> Cough, cough, gag. Hi. Hi, folks. Welcome to the Tim Harvey Show here on SciFiForMe.com, uh, over here on Twitch. And we are just a few days out from Halloween. Uh, so it's scary movie night on the Tim Harvey Show. So one of the things that I found over the years is... While I am not actually scared by horror films, I really do love them. They are a lot of fun. They stimulate that part of the brain that wants to be unnerved, that wants to feel uneasy. It gives you that that thrill, even if it's not necessarily a scary film. It's if if you get a chill, or you're disturbed by it, or you're a little freaked out by it. That's actually kind of a neat feeling, and it's a very popular one. Horror films, of course have been very popular for a very long time. And there are some really amazing, fantastic horror films that everybody talks about. And one of the things that I want to do tonight is talk about some of the films that you may not have seen that I would highly recommend. Uh, films that are maybe significantly underneath the radar or films that, for whatever reason, bombed in the theater and didn't get the kind of exposure that they should have got. Maybe they got it on, on video and, or DVD, but... They didn't really get the kind of footprint out in the horror world that they should have. I have been less than subtle about my dislike about certain kinds of horror films. I mostly, I think, the found footage genre is a terrible, terrible, horrible thing that should be killed with fire. Um, I hate The Blair Witch Project. I think it's a terrible, terrible movie. I appreciate the advertising campaign, which is a work of genius. The advertising campaign is something that, if you want an example of how to market a film which was made for no money, stars nobody, um, that really just ultimately is an incredibly slight story with... I mean, I know, this is not going to turn into the Bash on the Blair Witch Project episode. Uh, but the advertising campaign is amazing. It was incredibly effective for that film. All power to them. But the film itself, it honestly isn't very good. Now, if you want to see a film from the director of The Blair Witch Project that actually is good, you should check out Altered. It came out a few years after that. Uh, and I was actually not planning on talking about Altered tonight, so I will look that up here <coughs> as we're talking. Um, and it's a science fiction horror film that nobody saw. Uh, which is an absolute shame, because it is actually a very solid uh, uh, horror film that is, think, alien abduction, only reversed. So the turnabout is fair play idea of alien abduction. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Eduardo Sanchez was the director on that. Uh, Jamie Nash was the writer. But uh, 2006. If, you haven't had, if you've never seen the film, then I definitely recommend checking it out. It is everything that Blair Witch Project is not. It's actually uh, creepy and odd and interesting and uh, a little gory in the way that uh, uh, Blair Witch Project ultimately isn't. So certainly check that one out. But that's sort of a little aside there because the found footage film that I did want to talk about, the found footage film that actually played in theaters... Got a sequel, which I cannot recommend, uh, but 
it is a film that if we had if this film had come out before the Blair Witch Project, this would be this would be the found footage film that we would all be talking about, and that is the Last Exorcism, and <clears throat> like I said, there is uh, there's absolutely no reason to see the Last Exorcism two, because by default, there cannot be a Last Exorcism two. Uh, <laughs> these are things that don't actually exist, but. Uh, uh, Patrick Fabian is the star of The Last Exorcism, and Patrick Fabian is better known for a lot of his TV work. And without giving too much of a spoiler here, he basically plays a uh, evangelical minister who has lost his faith and uh, did a little, was involved in a lot of faith healings, and he's come to believe it's all a scam, and he gets an opportunity with a camera crew to go investigate what appears to be a possession. He's contacted by someone who used to believe, who believes, still believes in what he used to be. And it becomes a battle of faith versus reason, um, mysticism versus science, uh, an internal battle inside. It's beautifully, beautifully shot. For a found footage film, it looks really, really good because the camera crew is actually a professional camera crew. That's the idea, is that he's along with people who know how to use a camera. So instead of those terrible shots you see in most found footage films where you're watching some idiot run around through the woods and the camera's just waving around at the ceiling and you're like, what am I getting motion sickness? Uh, my girlfriend at the time that Blair Witch Project came out, she tried to sit and watch it with me. We, we didn't see it in the theater. We waited until it came out on video. And she had to leave the room because she got motion sick watching, trying to watch it. She just got to listen to me scream at this... TV um, <laughs> later, though. But I highly recommend The Last Exorcism. It's got... The ending was very polarizing for a lot of people, um, but it is a smart, very well-acted, incredibly well-performed uh, film. I think it's, it's highly, highly recommend something. If you, have to, if you have to deal with found footage films, at least watch a good one. Uh, and Ashley Bell... <clears throat> excuse me. Ashley Bell is the actress who plays the, the female lead in it, and very, very talented young lady who can do some amazing contortion moves, which lend a lot of very creepy air to the proceedings. So definitely check that one out if you're, if you're unfamiliar with that, haven't seen it. Um, you're, it's worth your time. All right. Um, now, there are a couple of horror films that are... A lot of, uh, some, some big horror fans seem to know them, but I, as I talk to people, you come to realize that a lot of the people who are just your s general audience, you know, we like horror films, but we're not big horror fans, you know, it's not the kind of, uh, you know, that, that difference between a, somebody who just enjoys going to the movies and being scared or someone who's like a hardcore horror fan. And one of those is Session 9. Now, Session 9 came out in 2001, so it's not anywhere near a new film. Uh, but uh, if you, you may recall a guy named David Caruso. If you have watched um, CSI Miami, you've watched him do amazing things with sunglass tricks or something. Um, but you may recall a million years ago, he was on a show called Hill Street Blues. And he was actually, I think he was in the first season, I think. And then he left after the first season to go have a movie career. And it didn't happen. And he made a few films that mostly tanked. And then he had some real long dry spell. Well, 2001, 
he was in Session 9, and he gives a really fine performance. If you, if you were remembering at some point that he was a, actually a decent actor, Session 9 was the film that reminded you of that, and you weren't quite sure what to make of this film in a lot of ways. Now, what's cool about this film is that it answers a lot of questions that most horror films raise, like, why don't these people just leave? Um... The film answers that by giving you a very, and I'm not going to spoil it here for you, but it gives you a very good explanation as to why these guys just don't go away. Why don't, you know, when weird things start to happen, you know, why don't they just take off? Well, there's a very good reason. Um, basically, it is, the, the, again, light spoiler here. It's a story about five hazmat workers who are tasked to go into an old mental institution and start tearing out the hazardous materials because they're going to renovate it. Well, this actually happens to be uh, based, in some degree, on a true story in the sense that they filmed it at a old mental institution that was getting gutted, and hazmat workers were in there actually taking stuff out. So it's actually, you know, they played on something that was actually happening, and so there's a sense of realism to it, and there's also a sense of creeping dread, which is something that a lot of horror films really don't do well at, it seems. There's some, some of the best of the horror films, of course, like, go back to the original, you know, John Carpenter's original Halloween, there's a sense of dread throughout that entire film that isn't about jump scares, it isn't about gore, um, nothing wrong with gore, nothing wrong with a good jump scare, but there's a sense of dread, and there's a sense of dread in the really the best of the horror films, where it just builds and builds and builds, and it becomes almost unbearable for the viewer, and then when it finally is released... That is an amazing horror moment, that, that moment where the fear gets so intense. So, <clears throat> um, session nine, the ending is dark and sad and really brutal, and I highly recommend this film. Um, definitely, session nine is a film that um, I bought it as soon as it became available on video because it was something that I uh, really thought was... Uh, I needed to go back and watch again and again. And I've watched it quite a few times over the years. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, another one that um, kind of got a... Well, okay. So we've, we've talked at various points on, on various shows about how the film John Carter had its ad campaign, ad campaign just be completely dest you know, destroy a significant chunk of anybody wanting to see the film. The ad campaign was terrible. Um, there is a, a horror film that the ad campaign on this, the, the, the production of the film was actually quite troubled. They fired the director two weeks in and brought in another director and managed to do... Uh, she, she did a really fantastic job. Antonia Bird is the director on that film. And she did something that you would not expect out of a horror film. But with the troubled production, with the studio not being happy with it, they basically put out a trailer that gave away the entire plot, uh, gave away a lot of the, re you know, pretty much revealed every major spoiler in the trailer. And by the time you watch the trailer, you, you think you, you either don't think you need to see the film or you think you're going to see an entirely different film. Because the way they cut the trailer, even though they gave away all this information, they cut it 
So you were thinking it was a different kind of horror film. Um, basically, the short version on Ravenous is Guy Pierce fights Robert Carlyle uh, in uh, the period of the Western expansionism phase, right before the gold rush starts, out in a fort out in California. Uh, cannibalism ensues. And that is a very... It's true and extremely misleading. There's a lot more to the film. It's beautifully shot. But one of the things that's really interesting about the film, and you need to know this going in, especially if you're a horror fan, it's a slow burn film. Um, the musical score is one of the most interesting film scores I've heard in a really long time. And what's fascinating about it is that at first you think the musical score is completely wrong for the film. You're listening to the, you're watching what's happening on the screen, you're listening to the music, and you're going, this doesn't work. And very quickly you realize it very much works. And it's a very, it's a very deliberate thing that the filmmakers did. And I think that it becomes this really fascinating experiment in visual and sound that I think didn't work for a lot of people. But it's a really, really sharply made film. Um, it delves into certain aspects of horror that you don't normally get. It plays with some interesting variations of vampirism as well as cannibalism. Um, it's got a cast that... Let's see, Guy Pierce, of course, <clears throat> Robert Carlyle, David Arquette, Jeremy Davies, Jeffrey Jones, John Spencer, Neil McDonough. It's a really fantastic genre cast. Now... For those of you who may recall, Jeffrey Jones uh, had sort of a tragic fall. Uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, of course, it was uh, one of his big films, as well as Beetlejuice. Um, but uh, he had some issues, some legal ones, involving photos and kids. Not cool. But um, if you can get beyond that, he's actually really funny in this film. So it is, it's actually a really sharply made, very odd horror film that got nowhere near the kind of exposure it should have gotten. And again, really terribly, terribly botched ad campaign, um, which is just, I mean, it's just, it, it's kind of criminal just how poorly this was done. Now, a lot of the horror fans that I know, um, we get together, you know, I've got three or four friends who are big horror fans. And when we're talking about films, one of the films that comes up over and over and over again, a film that we all really think was just um, criminally, it's criminally unknown, and there's been rumors of a sequel for years, and we've been really hoping to get it, and that is Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon. And it came out in 2006, and it is, it imagines a world where all the big serial killer characters from horror films, Jason and Michael and Freddy and all these guys, they're real people. They exist in this world. And there's this bizarre kind of um, hero worship thing that happens with some of these characters. They have fan clubs, but it also examines what happens if the real world, if these characters existed in this real world. So like Crystal Lake, the site of the Friday the 13th films, you know, the town is dying because the, they made a lot of money off that camp. But everybody, every time they, you know, kids came out to that camp every summer, they started getting killed off. Well, parents stopped sending their kids 
Most parents don't want their children to die terribly, as far as I'm aware. And <clears throat> my daughter turned out okay. I never felt the desire to send her off to a summer camp to get you know stabbed to death. But but it, there's an economic impact on the town because the camp shut down. Well, Leslie Vernon is. Um, <clears throat> He wants to be the new serial killer. He wants to be the new masked monster. And so he gets together with a camera crew, and they are going to chronicle his attempts to become the next big serial killer. And it is one of the funniest damn films. And it's played completely straight, but it looks at every single one of those great horror tropes, and it looks at them and says, okay, how does this work in the real world? And I'm going to give you a spoiler that's not really a spoiler for the film because it's on the deleted scenes. Okay? So you don't even, if, you, if you just watch the film itself, you're not even going to see this moment. But they ask him, you know, he, he talks several times through the film about he has to do a lot of cardio because he's chasing people, right? You've got to keep your, you know, got to keep the heart up, you know, got to keep breathing properly because you're chasing teenagers usually and they got a lot of energy. And so the question is, how is it that slow moving killers can always catch? the fast-running teen? And the answer is, they cheat. So you're sitting there running away from the killer, and you look back, and he's just walking after you real slow. But you turn your head around, he starts sprinting right after you, and he's watching you. He's maybe paying attention to where your head is, because as soon as you start to turn around again, he's going to slow down and walk ever so slowly. It's a hysterical scene. And the camera crew is filming this. And like, they actually said they'll go, oh my god, he's cheating! So... But it's a really smart, very witty film. It's made for horror fans. If you, if you watch a lot of horror films and you get into the minutiae of, of some of these things, if you enjoy a lot of the tropes, uh, if you laugh at some of the stupid things that horror ca characters do in horror films, there's answers for a lot of this stuff in this film. And uh, Scott Glosserman, or Glosserman was the director, uh, the star was Nathan, Nathan Basil plays uh, uh, Leslie, and I don't really think I've seen him in much else. Robert Englund makes an appearance, uh, Zelda Rubinstein makes an appearance. Uh, it's a, it really is a film for horror fans. Now what's, um, what's been disappointing is that for years they've been talking about a sequel, and we've wanted a sequel so bad, if you're a fan of the film, um, and it's just really never seems to have gotten off the ground. Oh, he's done a lot of uh, reality TV. So there, there's a thing. He went from one kind of horror to another. <laughs> All right, so <clears throat> uh, I definitely recommend that film. It is, it is truly one of the better uh, unsung horror films. Um, there are, okay, this is one that's, that's real controversial for me. Um, there's a French film called Martyrs. And I'm going to recommend it with some caveats. First of all, it is extremely unpleasant. It is, what, 2000, came out in 2008? Uh, French film. It is incredibly intense. I never actually want to watch it again. But it's beautifully shot, and it's very disturbing. And if you want a film that is incredibly atmospheric, incredibly unnerving, very graphic. That, if, you're, if you're a fan of gory horror, and something that's smart, and yet 
is not going to leave you for a while, um, I, can, I can recommend it on the sense that it's a good, disturbing, creepy, scary movie. I will also say, like I said, I've watched it once. I never want to watch it again. It actually left me feeling a little dirty in a just, you know, uh, creepy, gross way. But it's, in, it's extremely well made, and it's a really interesting story. But it definitely has an impact. Uh, again, like I said, I've, I haven't been scared by a horror film in a long time. But it left me feeling very, very... I mean, it had an impact. It's, it stayed with me. It's, I've probably watched it four or five years ago, I think, now. Um, my friend Kendall Sin, who's a, who's a horror filmmaker and, and a writer and editor, um, told me about it and basically had the same kind of reaction. And I put off watching it for a long time and finally broke down. I have not seen the American remake. I've heard that the American remake lacks... A lot of the intensity and lacks a lot of that visceral creepiness and and just that whatever it is it just makes you feel wrong um, but uh, yeah I mean I can I can recommend it in the sense that if that's your kind of film it's one of the best out there but it's also very very hard to watch and um, definitely, if you can, watch it in French with the subtitles. Uh, I'm, gonna, I'm one of those people who thinks that most dubs, most foreign language dubs, are usually poorly done. Um, there's a lot of good ones out there. That's not to blast all of them, but for a lot of genre films, you lose a lot of the nuance if you go with the dub. And a lot of times, it just, you know, makes you uneasy. And you should hear it in the original. The original performance of any actor is always going to be better than someone coming in later and attempting to do, to recreate those emotional beats. Um, it's much, I mean, there's some very talented actors out there who can do it, but it's hard, and I always think you should go with the original performer. All right, um, let's see here. What was the next one I wanted to talk about? Oh, um, yeah. Um, there is... There is a film called The Banshee Chapter, and I'm going to throw this one out here as being not necessarily a brilliant piece of work. I think there's some real issues with the film. Um, but uh, it had some very interesting ideas to play with, and I'm sort of a mixed bag. I'm not going to say a whole lot about The Banshee Chapter, but I thought it was interesting enough that, that it's certainly worth taking out. The one that um, I did want to mention here Oh, now I've lost it. Oh, no! Sorry, I've got a bunch of different windows up on the computer, and of course, manage to put it away here. There was, it's based on a true story to a degree. There was an incident, I believe it was either in, in Europe or, or Eastern Europe or in Russia, where uh, a group of campers ended up dying, and there were a lot of questions about their death. And it was, oddly enough, ah, Devil's Pass, here we go. Rennie Harlan, uh, who you, as a director, your, your name, his name will show up a lot of different places. Uh, he's been doing films for quite a while. Uh, 
Dyatlov, uh, Dyatlov Pass. I just completely mangled that, I'm sure. Um, it is, these, these campers went out, and then there was an avalanche, and they all died. Well, when they came out to, you know, when, they, when this was discovered, they came out to recover the bodies. The bodies were in various stages of decomposition, or things had been done to the bodies. They were missing body parts. Some of the people were not wearing clothes, or they'd strip down to their underwear, and apparently, based on the evidence, they'd run out into the night. Um, and it, there was a whole lot of questions. It was a very odd. Uh, it was a very odd situation. The evidence pointed to something very odd happening to these kids, these these young people. Well, this of course inspired a whole lot of speculation because the internet is a thing that happens. And you can if you go online, uh, D Y A T L O V Pass. Um, you can find all sorts of speculation on it. It's very interesting. Well, Devil's Pass is an attempt to give an explanation for it, a spooky explanation. And it's actually a very entertaining film. The ending is a, you like it or you don't, I'm going to warn you there, but it's a very kind of cool film, and it's shot in a really cool location. They're out in the woods with snow, and there's um, uh, the, the actual... F building the locations that are involved in the film are rather interesting. And the underlying plot is very intriguing. So I definitely recommend checking that one out. Um, Rennie Harlan did... Oh, goodness. I think, I think Rennie Harlan directed The Last Boy Scout? Well, hi there. We have a little cat, cat uh, commentary here. Um, so definitely check that one out as well. Now, there is always going to be another werewolf film out there in the world, and this is not necessarily a good thing. Most werewolf films are pretty bad. For every, well, <laughs> for every American Werewolf in London, which they're threatening us with a sequel on, or sorry, a remake on, which is, no, just don't. Just don't do it. Leave it alone. It still has special effects that hold up now. Um, it had practical special effects. There was no CGI in the film. And if you want to see an example of how to screw that up, how, check out American Werewolf in Paris. No, don't watch American Werewolf in Paris. It's not a good movie. Sorry to all the fine people who worked on that film. I'm sure you were all great people, but we don't want to see your film. It's bad. Um, but, you know, it's a great example of taking a really interesting idea and botching it in the second one. Werewolf films are tough to do. The original werewolf films, you go back to, you know, uh, the classic universal monster werewolves, you're looking at morality plays, you're looking at period pieces, you're looking at things that... Um, there's something about the werewolf story, there's something about the mummy stories. You either got to play with something like the Brendan Fraser films, or you screw it up incredibly like you do with the Tom Cruise film. The mummy films... You know, we're all about a slow-moving, unstoppable monster. Well, we, we replaced those with Michael Myers and, and Jason Voorhees, right? But the werewolf films are, when they're done well, they can be really, really interesting. When they're done poorly, they're really, really cheesy and terrible. What do we got here? Oh, Teen Wolf is best werewolf. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right, I am not going to get into the Teen Wolf fight because there's the movies and there's the TV show, and Dustin 
Um, Dustin, who I do is on Apocalypse Now, well, will probably cut you if you want to sit there and go with the movies versus the TV show. But good for you. I'm glad you enjoyed them. But they're not horror films. They're not horror films. One of the best horror, uh, uh, werewolf horror films is a British film called Dog Soldiers. Uh, Neil Marshall, um, who directed um, Descent and also uh, produced... Oh, no, I've drawn a blank here. Produced the one about uh, uh, Rona Mitra going up to the Highlands of Scotland. It's basically Escape from New York in the Scottish Highlands. And it's really bad. And it's so much fun. And I, um, I think, I think uh, our intern is over there poking around, maybe. Is that what she's doing? I think, he, I think he produced it. Anyway, while she's looking at that, Dog Soldiers stars... It's, again, it's another, it's another film that has an incredible genre cast. Uh, Sean Pertwee is the star of Dog Soldiers. And for those of you who are enduring Gotham, uh, I feel your pain. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. But I gave up after the first season, and um, it's your own fault if you're still watching. But Kevin McKidd, Liam Cunningham, um, really fantastic cast on Dog Soldiers. But basically, it's what happens if you get a small military unit um, sent up on what is supposed to be a training exercise, only to find um, what happened to the other folks who've been up there for the training exercise involved fangs and claws and teeth. Um, Doomsday is the name of the film. And uh, he's also supposed to be, supposedly, he's directing the new, I think he's directing the new Hellboy. I think is is I think it's what he's doing, or um, or he's attached to it in some way. I think okay, all right. So anyway, he's um, he's produced some really hmm? he, is, he is directing okay, which is good. I actually I think he's a good director, um, or at least he's an energetic director. I don't know if we can say that his films are particularly great. Doomsday, like I said, is not a good movie, but it's so much fun. It's bad in the same way that Escape from New York is bad. It's bad in the way that, that some of the, the big 80s um, anti-hero movies are bad. It's a lot of fun. Anyway, so Dog Soldiers is um, a really, really fun, uh, creepy werewolf film. It, it takes some getting used to. It's full of a lot of British actors who use their actual accents, which is, can be a challenge for some American audiences. I'm not going to sit there and, and say American audiences can't take it. But I'm going to say that um, give your ear a minute to adjust to the accents and some of the fun. And they did some really interesting stuff with the werewolves in that, in that they actually hired dancers to play the werewolves. And they put them on stilts. So the werewolves actually have the bent back dog leg, wolf leg, um, and they're incredibly tall. So it's a really neat practical effect. It's very cool. So I highly recommend that film. Uh, if, you're, if you're a werewolf fan, if you want to see a werewolf film done right. Um, and, oh, can't forget The Company of Wolves. This one is definitely, I recommend it. And I'm also going to say it's a Your Mileage May Vary movie. Okay, it is a, it is a film that is about things. Okay, it's a werewolf horror film, it's a creepy movie, but it's about things. There's your warning right now. There are, there are allegories and metaphors and, 
and things that you're supposed to get out of it. Nonetheless, even though it's a very visually arresting film, starring Angela Lansbury. It's like Angela Lansbury's horror movie. And David Warner, and Brian Glover, and Stephen Ray, and directed by Neil Jordan, who you may remember from films like uh, The Crying Game, uh, among others. But it's got a lot of cool, interesting practical effects. There's a particularly disturbing dinner at it. It is, I mean, it's, it's kind of an acquired taste movie, but if you haven't seen it and you're a fan of werewolf films and you think that horror films kind of should be about something instead of just, ah, scary thing, um, it's worth checking out. It's a visually very interesting movie. And I think that um, in, in a time when a significant chunk of our horror films that are coming out are rated PG-13, and don't really have any depth to them. I am I am not a huge fan of the PG-13 strain, strain of horror films. I think horror horror should push the boundaries a little bit. It should it shouldn't be safe so much um, because it's horror. It's meant to make you cre be creepy and uneasy and and really kind of just take a lot of those barriers and give them a good sh shake. The PG-13 stuff, well, yes, it definitely, from a studio point of view, it appeals to a really large audience. That's, get those teenagers in. And the era of the teenagers sneaking into the horror film, the rated-R horror film, is kind of past. Movie theaters aren't as much fun to sneak into anymore. Um, they make it harder than they used to, which is, that makes perfect sense, of course, but still. It is definitely a... a, a <laughs> A thing that uh, you just don't see anymore. Um, I'm going to throw out a few a few titles here. We're running out of time here for tonight's show. Um, but I did want to recommend um, a few here. Again, some of them that slid under the radar. If you haven't seen The Cube, uh, Canadian film, just watch the first one. There's two or three sequels. Quite frankly, just watch the first one. The other sequels aren't necessary. And the sequels actually kind of let you down if you're kind of excited about the first one. Uh, Frailty uh, is another one to check out. The, 20, the 2007 version of Wreck, the original Wreck film, French film again, uh, part of the French New Wave. Uh, the, there's an American remake. I'd say watch the French film. Follow the French series. It's actually much more interesting than the, than the American version. Um, yeah, The Howling, if you want to go back to, to one of the other, another werewolf film that had a certain promise to it that they kind of blew with every conceivably terrible sequel that followed. There's one about marsupials, for crying out loud. Werewolf marsupials, it's a thing. So anyway, there's a lot of great horror films to check out. Yeah, Halloween is right around the corner. You know, if you like scary movies, this weekend is a great time to check that out. And I hope you guys have a great Halloween, and uh, we hope that you'll... Uh, Get to have a nice scare. This has been a presentation of Sci-Fi for Me Radio. Copyright 2017 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media. This is Sci-Fi for Me Radio.